Hey, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Canfield, Director of Next Steps here at Berean Baptist Church in Mansfield, Ohio. We would love to connect with you. We'd love to get to know you. Um, if you need prayer, if you want to connect with us, check out our website at BereanFamily.com. It has all the stuff on there that you want to know about Berean, our events, prayer, whatever it might be. Check it out. Here's today's sermon. I'll get it, honey. It's probably Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Hey, friend. Long time no see. Or here. That's funny, because I see you every day at work. Just a minute, I'll get your glasses. Okay. Nice place you got here. Hey, I've been trying to get you to be my friend on Facebook. Have you been getting my, my invites? Hey, uh... What's been going on? It's been so long since I saw you. You lost some more hair? Well, Kate and I are doing fine, and uh, you know what? We're on our way out, but I wanted to make sure you had your glasses. Thanks. You say you found them in your car? Yeah, and that's the oddest thing, because I don't ever recall giving you a ride anywhere. Yeah, so uh, where'd you say you guys are headed to? Well, we're pregnant. <laughs> so, whoa! I'll say you are! <laughs> Mama's got a bun in the oven for shizzle. Look at her. You are like a, a baby whale who's got a baby inside of her. But is she five or six months pregnant? I'm usually good at that. Jeff, I really need you to... Shh, not now. It's bonding time. It's time to bond with the circle of life. Hello, little guy. Is it a boy or a girl? It's probably a boy as low as you're carrying him. Hey, buddy. How are you? Uncle Jeffrey's out here, and I'm gonna be here with a video camera the second you pop into this world. Definitely not. What's going on here? Shh, you guys, shh, I think I hear him. Whoa, he just kicked me. That little guy kicked me. He's gonna be a soccer player, this one is. Jeff, yeah, I want you to be the godfather? Yes, oh, yes. I've always wanted to do that. Come here, you princess of birth. Sunrise, sunset, sunrise, sunset. Jeff. Is this the little girl I care? Jeff, Jeff. We found out she was pregnant last week. I told Pastor Isaiah when I came up, I'm like, not a real good, great transition after that last song. I'm like, that's kind of a hard change there. Hey, everybody's got that one friend that just says the first thing that comes to their mind, right? Do you have somebody in your, don't say their name, if it's your spouse, don't look at them right now. But you know somebody who's like, it can make it very uncomfortable when they say something and it just comes to mind with no filter whatsoever. Obviously, that was a... Um, a little bit hyperbolic, I hope, but you get the idea. You know, what we say really matters. The, the words that we use have impact on the people who hear them. Did you know that? Did you know those little words that you say can have a great effect? The words that we use can be for a blessing or for a curse Sometimes our mouths can get us into trouble, can't they? Our tongue, this small little muscle in our body, 
insignificant in comparison with the rest of what makes us who we are can get us into an awful lot of trouble. Gossiping. Talking about other people. Telling lies. Being harsh with your tone. Words are important. God used words to create the world and everything in it. Jesus used words to surrender his spirit on the cross, saying, it is finished. Words are very important. You know, several years ago now, uh, it became national and I think international news uh, about the water crisis in Flint, Michigan. Maybe you're aware of that story. That some government official decided it would be a good idea to switch the pipes that they were using and uh, bring the water in from a different source. And when they did that, they didn't realize that the pipes that they were about to begin to use had been corrupted and, and would end up causing people a great deal of illness. And I think some people may even have died from bad water. The very thing that was to give people life because of the corruption brought illness and death. The same is true for our mouths, for the words that we say, the very thing that can bring life, that can bring encouragement, can bring death and destruction because of the corruption of our hearts. We are in a series, uh, James, uh, learning to be the church, that we're all part of this church, that we make up the church. And we're learning through this book of wisdom how we ought to live our lives. Today we're going to be in James chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there now. James chapter 3. I'm going to pray and then we'll go ahead and read the first 12 verses of that uh, chapter. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you that though we may be going through hard times and difficult things, we can praise you because you are good. We praise you because you are good, and we praise you because you are present. You are here with us in whatever it is that we're going through, God, and we thank you for that. But God, we confess to having a problem that we're going to talk about this morning. That when we use our mouths to praise you, we oftentimes use our mouths in ways to tear down. Forgive us, Father, for doing such a thing. God, as we go to your word today, may you open our eyes. May you speak in and through your text and through me that we may come to know you better and take that step closer to you. God, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. By the way, you, you, you're probably aware, if you've uh, been here before, or if you come here regularly, I wasn't here last week. I have a, a significant amount of updates for you for where I was, uh, but that's going to come in just a couple of weeks. So you're just going to have to hold on uh, to get that update. Today, it would not make any sense for where we're at, so it's coming soon. So James chapter 3, starting in verse number 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, 
They are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire, entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed, and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Our big idea today that we're going to be talking about is this. If we want to glorify God, we must learn to control our mouths. If we want to glorify God, and I believe that we do, we must learn to control our mouths. But before we talk more about that, this text, has, this text reminds us of something, that we need to be praying for the leaders in the church. Now that might seem a little self-serving, and it is for me, so please pray for me. Pray for the teachers in your church. Pray for the leaders. As we hear in their texts that we're, we're judged with a greater strictness. The truth of the matter is leaders everywhere are judged differently and held to a different uh, standard than, than people who aren't leading, right? If something happens on this staff, people are going to come to me, right? Now this next uh, um, illustration you're going to absolutely love. We've got a picture up here. One of your favorite people. There it is. I thought I was going to hear a breaking out of cheering and uh, adoration and joy at the picture of this coach. Uh, Avi, you probably are aware of this sign-stealing scandal that's going on, right? And, and there's... <laughs> I knew 100% I, knew I was setting myself up on this one. And I will hear about this later and probably all day. But that's okay. You, you probably know about the sign-stealing scandal that's going on right now. And uh, Jim Harbaugh, the head coach of the University of Michigan, we don't really know, honestly, w whether he knew what was happening or not. But in some ways, that doesn't matter because he's the leader. He's the head coach. And whether he knew or not that something was going on that violated the rules that they're supposed to be governed by, he's the one who's going to take the fall as the leader. We all get that, right? We all get that. And many of you said, yes! There's still one last lane. Anyways, this is true for leaders in the world. This is true for the leaders in the church as well. We're judged with a little bit more strictness than others. James, again, 3, verses 1 and 2. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Now, I didn't add this uh, point into this sermon because I want your sympathy. This is not about sympathy. 
Not even a little bit. This is about just being real. About leaders that are going to be judged with a greater strictness. This text also, it's not about, it's not an attempt to keep people, um, uh, it's not an attempt to keep called people from stepping into their calling. James isn't saying, hey listen, if you're called to be a teacher, don't do it. Because you are going to be judged with a stricter uh, judgment by God. That's not what he's saying at all. He's just calling attention to the fact that leaders are going to be judged differently. And because of that, church, we need to be praying for our leaders. Listen, I am just, I have the same propensity to sin as you. And it's real that I'm going to be judged with a stricter judgment. That's real. So I need your help. I need your prayers. The rest of our staff, our Sunday school teachers, we need your help. We need your prayers. And if God's calling you into a, a, a ministry of, of leadership, don't step away from it, but go in with your eyes wide open realizing what's ahead of you and do so with the utmost amount of prayer. This is a warning that those who are to teach need to take very seriously. As teachers of God's word, we act as ambassadors for his kingdom publicly. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, like it or not, you are an ambassador. You carry his name with you as you go. This isn't just true for preachers. This is true for Christians. How then should we act? More specifically, how then should we speak? Knowing to, that those people who hear us speak recognize and realize that we are ambassadors of Christ. Should we use his name in vain like the world? Should we use profanity like everyone else around us? Should we gossip just because others are? Should we slander? Should we tell lies? See, we all know that those things are wrong. But it makes it more serious when we remember that we are ambassadors of Christ. These same mouths that we sing praises to God with should never be used to curse others. This is a warning not just for teachers, friends. This is a warning for all of us. Because we are ambassadors of Christ and his kingdom, we represent him, and he does not want to be misrepresented. I think we understand that. Leaders in the church struggle with all the same stuff everyone else does, like I said earlier. The text says, for we all stumble in many ways. James, a half-brother of Jesus, is like, listen, guys, I mess up too. He grew up with Jesus. He spent lots of hours with him, one-on-one -on -one in small groups. James says, listen, I mess up too. Every single one of us stumble. We all stumble, not just a little bit, but in many ways we stumble. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. You get what he's saying here? 
There's almost some sarcasm in that tone, right? We all stumble in, in many ways. And if anybody who doesn't stumble in what they say, he's perfect. What should that tell us? That if we're not careful, very careful, our mouths are going to get us into trouble. We're going to say things we shouldn't say. And again, our big idea is if we want to glorify God, we must learn to control our mouths. This leads us to our second point. Nothing testifies to our fallen nature quite like our tongues. Boy, isn't that true? Nothing testifies to our fallen nature quite like our tongues. Our mouths betray us all the time. And we absolutely must learn to control them as ambassadors of Christ. Ever, ever have a time where you said something that you wish you could take back? Just raise your hand if that's ever happened to you. <laughs> raise your hand if your spouse has ever said anything you wish they could take back. No. <laughs> Kelly's like every Sunday. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> of course we do. Our mouths betray us. You know, it's important to be quick to apologize and to confess. Because here's the thing. We all have that same issue. Now hopefully as we become more mature, more like Christ, more wise, we become slower to speak. That's why I think it's important to be slow to speak, or one of the reasons why it's important to be slow to speak. Because if we just let out there the first thing in our minds... We tend to look like the guy in the video, right? You're five, six months pregnant? Ladies, like, I'm a month pregnant or two months pregnant, right? We end up saying things that can hurt, that tear down, instead of building up and blessing. You ever have anybody just say something super encouraging to you? How long do you hold on to that? You can be having a bad day. You can be having a terrible day, but somebody can just say one or two sentences that's encouraging to you, and it can change the course of that whole day. Well, the reverse is true as well, isn't it? You can be having a good day. Things can be going well. You can have a great outlook for what's to come, and then one or two sentences later, it can just tear you right down. Our words have power what we say matters we must learn to bridle the tongue James 3 3 through 8 again if you put if we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us we guide their whole bodies as well look at the ships also though they are so large and are driven by strong winds they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. 
I wish James would just write what he's thinking here. Could he use stronger language in talking about this? I don't think he could. What should that tell us? It should tell us that this is incredibly important. We must learn to tame our tongues, recognizing and realizing what we say matters. James here references a horse bit in a ship's rudder to make a point that our tongues will steer the direction of our lives, and this is not good news for us. Our tongues tend to steer the direction of our lives, and this is not good news for us, is it? James, of course, is right. Think about the way the ways the words you have said have impacted the direction of your life. Maybe words like, I do. That's good, by the way. I don't know why you're all laughing. <laughs> words that you use to woo your spouse. How many ladies in here would say, my, my husband has got a silver tongue, man, he can just... Wow, none of that's sad. <laughs> Guys, we have some work to do. I was expecting at least to see her hand come up. Jeez. Next week we'll be talking about being humbled by our wives in front of hundreds of people. The, the answers you give in an interview, simple little words that have so much impact. And again, how about words that have negatively affected you? Just give up. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're a loser. You know, our kids growing up and hear these words from their classmates, it can change the direction of their lives. Words matter. I had two people that spoke into my life while I was a terrible kid. And when I say I was a terrible kid, I mean I was a terrible kid. And most people in my lives reminded me of that. There are two people in my high school that I'll never forget. Mr. Day was the assistant principal. I spent a lot of time with Mr. Day. <laughs> and Mr. Day was a disciplinarian. There was no, there were, he, he, was, he was just a disciplinarian. He, he wasn't... He wasn't just going to give you grace just for the sake of grace. You did something wrong. You went to Mr. Day. You were going to be punished. But every time I was in his office, which was many times, every time he would end before I'd walk out, he would say, Danny, I just know one day I'm going to turn the TV on on Sundays and watch you playing football. You know, ironically, sometimes I wonder if he's still alive, if he's ever come across one of the sermons. See me on Sundays, just not playing football. But you know what that did for me as I walked out of that office after getting in trouble? It gave me hope. He redirected me that there's something bigger out there for me to go after. The other one was Coach McBride, the wrestling coach from Oklahoma. That's really all you need to know about Mr. McBride. This guy was intense. I mean, he was probably about my size. And during wrestling practice in high school, does anybody know what a back bridge is? When you, when you have just your head and your feet are touching the ground, kind of going backwards, and your stomachs are up or whatever. So we do those in circles, and Mr. McBride would walk around on our stomachs while we're in the back bridge. A dude like my size. I'm, I'm confident I go to Kerry Craner as my chiropractor now because of Mr. McBride. <laughs> Mr. McBride was tough. 
I mean tough. He was also an elementary school gym teacher, and I had him in elementary school, and we were running around the uh, outside of the gym doing laps just because he wanted to make us run, I guess. And apparently he blew his whistle to stop. I wasn't paying attention. I ran into the girl in front of me, and you would have thought she would have been dead. The way Mr. Coach McBride reacted, he comes up and he picks me up over his head and starts like screaming at me. It is just seriously the, the divine intervention that I did not pee my pants. <laughs> I don't know if you can say that on stage. I just did, so we'll find out. But he was one of those guys too, and he was in your face. Mr. Coach McBride would chew me out, but then he would grab my face and bring it close to him, which doesn't sound nice, I know. But he would say, Danny, one day you're going to be an All-American. Do you know I started believing him? And it changed the way I looked at my life. Our words matter. They can build us up. And they can tear us down. And they can have sweeping effects beyond what we could ever have imagined. James references a forest fire. We lived in Alaska, and there was, I forgot, I think it was called the Funny River Fire. Um, uh, it was maybe five, six years ago, maybe longer than that now, I don't know. I lose track of time, probably longer than that. But this, people had a campfire, and it was illegal to have a campfire because there was a warning out. It was windy, it was dry conditions. They left their fire unattended, got in their car, drove away. I, I want to say millions of acres burned. I want to say maybe thousands of homes destroyed. One of our good friends' home burnt down. It went through an area where um, all the people that raised sled dogs and ran the Iditarod lived. There's Dee Dee Genro, her house burnt down. I don't know how many dogs died in the whole fire. One little senseless act with such devastating effect. Our words do the same thing. Our words do the same thing. That's why he's talking about the forest fire. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. What is he saying? Our little tongues can cause massive problems for us and for others. Massive problems. In 2023, this era that we live in right now, we have another problem. That problem is our digital tongue. What we're communicating in emails, on text, what we're posting on social media can have devastating effects as well for us and for others. Do we honor God with our email? Do we honor God in our posts? Because it matters. You're an ambassador. I don't know how many times I've seen something written that was just horrible, seeing the person's profile a Christ follower. What does that communicate to an unbelieving world? And we have to be careful. James goes out of his way even to say uh, that animals can be tamed, but our tongues cannot. Are you starting to see that what we say can cause serious problems and, and our little mouths can be a big problem? Again, our big idea this morning, if we want to glorify God, we must learn to control our mouths. We must learn to control our mouths. 
Our third point, we can't praise God if we are cursing his children. How can we praise God when we're cursing his kids? Will you raise your hand if you have children? Is it okay if I talk bad about them? Any one of you okay with that? No, of course not. As a matter of fact, I may be able to say something bad to you or about you, and you may find it in your heart to forgive me and move on. If I start talking about your kid, it's going to be a lot harder, isn't it? A lot harder. Those are my kids whom I love. And I think we would all take that very personally. Why do we think we can praise God and curse his children who he made in his own image, in his own likeness? Why do we think that we can do that? Why do we think we can gossip about one another or speak harsh words about one another and then turn our voice to heaven and sing a praise to God and expect him to receive that praise? What we say matters. Verses 9 through 12, with it, talking about our mouths, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. What we say, particularly what we say to and about one another, matters to God. Do you want your, people who raise their hand with, with, with kids, if you have more than one kid, do you want your kids to love each other? We used to watch the show, Everybody Loves Raymond. Anybody else ever watch that? Some of you are laughing, some of you are judging me, whatever. <laughs> but on one of the episodes, actually on multiple of the episodes, when uh, Raymond or his brother Robert would ask the parents what they wanted for their birthday or Christmas, they would always say the same thing. All I want is two nice boys. We want that out of our kids, right? We want them to be kind to one another, to say nice things to each other, to love each other. You know, God cares how we talk about each other or how we talk to each other. Listen to Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Gracious. Is gossiping ever gracious? Are putting people, is putting people down ever gracious? Is casting judgment on a brother or a sister, is that gracious? We all know what grace is. We all know that we want to receive it. Are we extending it with the words that we say? Seasoned with salt, making it more palatable. Thinking about, that means we're thinking about how somebody is going to receive what I'm saying, not just what I'm saying. Do you get that? It's important. When we talk, when we post online, we need to not just think about what we are saying, but think about how it's going to be received by somebody. Being seasoned with salt. Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, 
but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. It matters how we talk and what we say. Our praises we sing to God can be negated by what we say about his children. This is serious stuff. Ultimately, our mouths reveal what is in our hearts. Our mouths can betray us. Matthew 12, 33 through 37. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Sounds serious, doesn't it? It's because it is. What we say about one another and to one another matters an awful lot. It matters to God. It ought to matter to us. If we say we love God, then we must also love his children. 1 John 4.20, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. Can you ever imagine cursing God? Is that a scary thought even? I think it is. But how could we ever curse his child? If you look around this room... You'll see some people who have some struggles, who don't always get it right, who may be frustrated even that they're still sinning in certain ways when they should be growing. You'll see people who have all kinds of things going on in their lives, broken people who are children of God made in his likeness. Might be broken, but they are beloved. We want to praise God. Let's speak well of one another and to one another. We need to learn to discipline our mouths. Use our words to build up instead of tearing down. Speak the truth in love to our brothers and sisters and praise God. In short, use our mouths for what they were created for. Building up, encouraging, and praise. If we want to glorify God, we must learn to control our mouths. Is it possible even? We're going to conclude here in just a second and use our voices to praise God again. You might be thinking, man, just like James says, how am I going to do this? If a man is perfect, I'm not perfect. I don't have the power. It says humans can tame all kinds of animals, but human beings can't tame their tongue. Then what do we do? Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. While this may be an impossible task on our own, it is not an impossible task in the power of God. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God gave us a spirit of, of, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. We can control our mouths 
through the power of God. I'll ask for you to bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going and discipling somebody now one-on-one, and we're talking about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Not the, the, the initial filling when we become Christians and we receive the Holy Spirit, but how we're daily filled with the Spirit of God. It, it's like having a cup full of water or coffee, having a cup full of coffee. If it's all the way full, there's no room for water. You have to dump it out and empty it to put in the water. If we want to be daily filled with the Spirit of God, we need to dump out the sin in our lives by confessing it to Him. Receiving His forgiveness and then asking Him to, to, to fill us with His Spirit. Friends, if we're going to control our mouths, we must be filled with the Spirit of God. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I confess, we confessed collectively to not always using our mouths the way it's been intended. For gossiping, slandering, telling lies, tearing down instead of building up. God, forgive us. Give us your strength and the power of your Holy Spirit to walk in repentance, to use our words to build up and not tear down, to use our words to praise and not to curse. God, we love you. We thank you that today is a new day and whatever happened yesterday can be gone and it's done away with. Your word says our sins are as far as the east is from the west. That when we confess them to you, that we, go, we seek to walk in repentance, to be filled with your spirit, you will give us the power to do just that. God, that is what we are pleading with you today, that you would give it to us. God, we are ambassadors for you. We need help us to remember that. That the world who desperately needs to know you is watching us and judging you based on our behavior. God, that's a big thing and we can't do it on our own and without your power. So we just ask you for that. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.